chapter 3. We're going to look at this in a little bit. In September, we're going to begin a study on 1 Thessalonians. Uh, so that's upcoming. Until then, we're going to do a couple uh, different topical things, but mid, uh, early September, we'll be jumping into a, a whole book study of 1 Thessalonians. I would like to begin by uh, giving you all a little bit of a recap of the Young Adult Czech Republic missions trip. Um, we got back uh, about a week and a half ago, and um, here's the backstory. Uh, last summer was my first summer leading the young adults, and I'm, I'm a believer in the missions trip. I went on missions trips when I was younger, and it really rocked my life and kind of shaped my worldview. And, um, I think if you have uh, the time and the resources to do something like that, it can, it can really be an amazing thing. Get out of your culture, to serve, um, to interact with the body of Christ um, is, is an amazing thing. You know, to sit there and for those of you that have been overseas and, and done things like that, to be able to sing songs like Amazing Grace or even the old school Lord I Lift Your Name on High, which they rocked several times in the Czech Republic, uh, but in different languages is truly amazing. And you hear people talk about the nations worshiping together in heaven, and uh, it may sound a little cliche to say this is like a, a, a bit of a taste of that, but um, it is really sweet. And over the years, as I've had these opportunities to be able to serve with people that I really don't know, um, but that we're unified in our effort um, to reach people for the cause of Christ is, is an amazing thing, and it's an amazing bond, and we felt that in the Czech Republic. So last summer... I went to Dave Bruner, our missions pastor here, and I said, Dave, we are, um, I want to do a missions trip. Do you have anything lined up? You know, because there's always something. There's always usually a dozen somethings going on in the summertime with East Cooper overseas. And Dave said, I got nothing right now. Um, so, okay, well, let me kind of begin brainstorming on what our options might be. Uh, that very day, uh, Mike Young, who's a missionary in the Czech Republic with the IMB, um, contacted Dave Bruner and said, we would like to put on an English, an evangelistic English camp. Would you be willing to send a team? Uh, that very day. Now, I've spent about 15 years doing student ministry, and of that time, led several English camps. And so if I had something that I kind of do or have done, it, it's an English camp. So Dave said, what about an English camp in the Czech Republic? Well, awesome. That sounds, that sounds great. And so... Um, we started this relationship with, uh, with Mike and Wendy Young. Um, they've been in the Czech Republic for seven, eight years. Um, and what Mike does is he builds connections with Czech pastors and tries to be a resource for them in the Czech Republic. Czech Republic, they say, is about 40% atheist. The other 60% is uh, largely Catholic. They say the evangelical representation there is 0.7%. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty dark place like most of Europe is, spiritually. Um, and so last year we went, kind of sight unseen, and worked with this uh, church um, translated as uh, Schumburg Baptist Church. Schumburg is this little town, it's a three hours outside of Prague by train. Um, but this sweet body of believers there, and they have a youth group, which is kind of unheard of in the Czech Republic as well. And they've been working all year long um, to prepare for this evangelistic English camp. And so we came in, 
uh, as partners, uh, we, we came in to, to specifically not do the American show, but this is your, your English camp and we want to serve. So we led the English classes. They wanted a native English speaker to speak in the evenings. And I did that and we led uh, sports and English classes and all these things. And so what they told us was that the typical person who comes to know Christ in the Czech Republic, it's a very long uh, walk for them. Uh, it's unlike a lot of things that we see in America, where in, in America, some, sometimes, making some generalization here, um, you'll share the gospel, and then somebody will respond. In the Czech Republic, what they see, and we're talking about the believers that have been there for decades, and the missionaries that have been there for years and years and years, what they see is that it starts with a conversation, it starts with a friendship, um, it starts with them being around other believers, not coming to Christ, but just being around other believers. And in the Czech culture, they introduce, they basically introduce them to church. And eventually they become open to church, even though they're not believers. So they begin coming to church, um, and then they begin a Bible study, which is kind of interesting, isn't it, for, for non-believers. Um, and they begin studying the Bible, and they begin asking questions. And this process is, is years in the making. And then somebody gets to the point where they, they come to Christ. So that's the model that they see uh, systematically across the board in the Czech Republic. So we went over there, we did this English camp, and here were the instructions that were given to me as the evening speaker. If any of you did youth camps growing up, you know, there's always the night meeting I'm talking about. So we kind of, we, we did that. Um, it basically said, don't share the gospel until the last night. Um, is too soon. You'll turn people off. Um, they have to take things in, in very small, small doses. We want to we want to work work into this. And they basically said, don't really even make gospel conclusions the whole week, and um, don't use a lot of scripture. All this is kind of eating my soul, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. You know, all these years doing student ministry, it seems like when you're teaching, and in any context where you're speaking the truth of the gospel, uh, and you're preparing a lesson, there's always this, this pinnacle. Like, here's the conclusion. Here's the solution. Here, here's the application. Here's the, the point that we're making. And so I just, I felt, I felt wrong about that. Like, is that doing justice? Like, can't we let the gospel speak for itself, right? Isn't, isn't this enough? You know, can't we just speak the word and... And let it go. And so I, I, I wrote all these lesson plans and, and presented it. They wanted to see them, which is that standard fare. Um, so I showed it to them, and they're like, it's too much. It's just too much. Yeah, we, can't, we can't go this deep. And I'm just like, oh, man. I've done this before. I mean, my pride kind of stepped in. Like, I've done this in other countries. Like, it worked there. Um, no, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. So backed off. And um, so, you know, taught. To me, it was kind of like what you might hear in a public high school, rah-rah, you make sure you have good friends, talk. You know what I mean? And so it was stuff like, what are you basing your life on? Um, is it friends? Well, you know, friends can disappoint. Is it, is it sports? Like, well, you, you get injured. All right, are we good? All right, well, let's end our meeting. <laughs> you know, and it just felt like it felt hollow. It felt shallow. Um, but trying to build up to that final conclusion. And we did that, and last night we shared the gospel. Um, and we saw about three kids get come to Christ, which 
the missionary hadn't seen really at, at these English camps for the course of years, and so the Holy Spirit worked, and and so that was that was last year. So this year we came back. Two of those guys that came to Christ were our um, key leaders in that youth group. Isn't that amazing? Um, these are teenage teenage boys, and they're up front. And they're leading things. The year before, they were in the back, really quiet, and didn't really want friends. Um, and we're kind of that kid that you were like, he's not interested. <laughs> That's, that was that was kind of the, the opinion that you had of that guy. Chinyak was one kid's name. The other was uh, Arthur or Arthur, and they and they were leaders. And it just kind of fed our souls to be able to see that the Lord did that work. And so this year, same kind of thing. They're like, you know, temper what you're going to say, uh, wait to the end to share. And so we did all that. Um, we had a great week. Um, our team from this class uh, shined bright. Um, I think right now Andrew and Sarah are the only representatives here. Am I missing somebody that was on that trip? I mean, Andrew and Sarah rocked it relationally. Um, just to be able to be there and see that they were on mission in, in conversation even with language barriers, it was, it was incredible to see. And so we did this week of camp. Uh, in the Czech Republic, a week of camp is nine days, which is a long camp. It's sun up to sundown, like we're spending the night there, you know? So you get up at seven, we do group devotion, and then lights out at midnight. That's a long day. Like, I'm a dad now, you know? And like, like back in the day, I could rock those kind of days, but I mean, it was, I, I mean, I was exhausted. Um, uh, you know, Europeans are in much better shape than the average American. Um, they always talked about going on these hikes or these walks. Um, so they had a planned walk um, where we were leaving at 10 and they were planning to be back at 4. Six to six hours. That was the plan. All right. And then there was going to be a dance party after that. Um, um, and then a night, they had this night game that was supposed to be after that. They call it a night game. And the night game is, I mean, you know, because we sue everybody in America, we can't do anything really fun, you know. But over there, they had these rolling, these rolling hills where you see like, like three valleys and hills, and it's 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 pitch black. Everybody's wearing color coded light sticks and there's these tank these teams and I don't I still don't understand what we're supposed to do and uh, I mean people were like there were bases and attackers and defenders and I don't know so people were just running around but I remember standing on this field and there was a there, there was a deep, there was a deep valley and then another hill and then a, another valley and then a, a third hill and people were, had flashlights I mean this was like deep in the distance like spread out over the countryside. These are high schoolers, and they're just running around, falling, you know. So we did that, and it was just, it was crazy. It was long. It was beautiful. We saw the Lord work, um, shared the gospel on the last night, and there were some great um, conversations that had to do with etern eternity that happened. We saw two girls um, legitimately pray to accept Christ during that week of camp. Um, and then the last day on Sunday, they asked me to speak at their church, which was kind of the final event. Um, and we did, and it was one of those things, if any of you have done speaking before, there are times when you feel like 
you're connecting and there's times we feel like you don't. I feel like it's kind of like sports. Sometimes like you feel like you're rocking it and other time you're like, this is tanking. I was feeling like it was tanking, you know, it was blazing hot in there. People were doing this, you know, um, and they don't do the altar call over there. Just don't, it's not like they stopped doing it. They just don't do the altar call. So we didn't do anything like that. Um, and the guy who was in charge of leading the camp, um, afterwards came up and said if 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 you think you would like uh, to accept Christ as your savior I'm going to be up here to talk to you. and three more kids from camp came up and accepted Christ that night, that morning and so we saw five kids come to Christ and of of the 30 to 40 non-believing kids that were part of this camp is a, is a significant number um, and really, according to the, the church and um, the missionaries over there, are really unprecedented. And so I was, I was blown away by the work of the Holy Spirit in that. Um, and give him all the credit. The Lord used that church mightily because that church, they're the ones, I mean, even these high school students were fasting weekly in preparation for this camp, you know? Um, so they were doing you know, 98.5% of the work for this thing. We came in and did our little piece and left, and then they've still got all these follow-up events, and they're doing all this stuff, and that's when they really begin to see fruit. So I found myself, I, I tell you that because I want to give you a little bit of a recap of the trip, but I want to tell you that because I found myself at the end of this trip really kind of dumbfounded that we saw five kids come to Christ because I wasn't expecting it. I was not. I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, my prayers for this trip was that the Holy Spirit would work, and I consider myself a realist. Um, I, I probably everybody does, <laughs> you know. Nobody's, but I consider myself a realist. <laughs> uh, but I also consider myself. I'm, I'm, I'm reformed, and so I have this firm belief that I have a calling in my life to just be faithful and to speak the gospel. And let that be enough to be faithful in my life, to speak the gospel, and 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 let that be enough. Thy will be done. And so when they gave me those instructions to kind of teach what I felt like was kind of a weak sauce method, I was like, these people have the, the boots on the ground are there. They dedicated their lives. They know their thing. I'm not in charge, so I'm gonna I'm gonna follow their lead. Do do what they asked me to do. And do my best and, and, and seek to share the gospel in, in the method that they say. And just kind of, and, and my prayer for the trip was, Father, move in the hearts of these students. So as I was chewing on this, this thing that we saw that was really pretty special in that they don't see, the missionary that we work with does seven or eight English camps every summer. So he does these all over the Czech Republic, and he doesn't see kids come to Christ, much less five. Um, and then, you know, three from the year before that are growing, thriving young believers. And so I just, I tell you all this because I began asking myself, um, was there a missing piece in my prayers? And or was there a missing piece in my in my heart and in my faith leading up to this trip? Um, 
I was praying for the Holy Spirit to work, but I really wasn't expecting him to. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Does that make sense? Um, that I was praying that, that the Holy Spirit would, would stir, um, but I, didn't, I did not have a, a longing expectation that God would do something great, something big. Um, and I, I believe that the, the call on the believer's life is to be faithful and is to be obedient, um, but to live in such a way that we are longingly content, if you will. Longing to see the Lord do great things because he is a great God and we have received a great salvation. But, but longing, longing for it in a but thy will be done sort of way. And I think there's a piece of that that I missed on this trip. So with that as the front end, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 3 because what I want us to look at this morning is Paul's prayer uh, to the Ephesians, mid-letter. Mid Paul is, is offering up a prayer um, to God the Father on behalf of the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Um, and I believe that what we see in this prayer is that Paul is, is not only outlining, outlining a, a great salvation that has come to the believer, um, but also the great things that that very gospel has empowered the believer to do. And so to have this, this, this longing contentment, if you will, um, I believe is, is founded in, in this very gospel. And as an example, I, I just want us to spend some time looking at this, at this text, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through the end of the chapter. So let me, read, let me read this to us. I'm reading from the ESV, and then we will look at it a little deeper. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So in verse 14, what we see, so Ephesians is, is broken up into two pieces. All right, so we, 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 we studied Ephesians several months ago in the young adult class, and basically chapters 1, 2, and 3 is an, an, a detailed outlining of, of the magnitude and the glory of the gospel and how 
the gospel is a drawing in of, of you, if you are a believer, into God's magnificent plan that started before you and will end, uh, in the end at the end of time, so that we are brought in to this grand plan in the middle. All right? We're brought in. It, it, is, it has been going on and will continue going on, and we are brought into this. And it is grand. It is magnificent. It is, it is unspeakable. Uh, it says, according to his... 11 different times according to his plan that he lavishes his riches upon us. Um, and then the second half outlines just the practical nature of how, what does this look like in the life of the believer. So this is wrapping up the first piece of, uh, of the letter that Paul is writing. He's wrapping it up with a prayer and then a benediction. So he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Speaking of God the Father, the first person of the Trinity. And he's, he outlines the Trinity here in this text, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, meaning that everybody falls uh, under the authority of God. Verse 16, it says, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, second person of the Trinity, in your inner being. Once again, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul's prayer is asking God to strengthen the believer so that they can do three different things, which we're going to look at here in a second. Paul's prayer is that God would strengthen the believer in three different, to do three different things that we'll look at in just a minute. Now, when he says um, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through spirit in your inner being um, is a very personal note, a very personal tone here, speaking of the spirit coming into your inner being. All right, so there's a very personal note, but it's also saying that this strength that he is praying for from God the Father is coming from a vast uh, vault of riches <laughs> from God the Father. According to his riches and glory, may you be strengthened. So in accordance with his riches, may you then be strengthened. So in comparison to the riches of God, may you have a comparable strength, essentially is what he's saying. And I was trying to think of a good way to kind of illustrate this, this through story, and, and I came up with kind of a weak example, but in spite of my incredible physique, I'm not a pro base baseball player. Okay. Now, if, if I were recruited uh, to be a player for the New York Yankees, all right, the richest team in Major League Baseball, and they brought me out to New York City, how would they treat me? Right? Would they put me, would they look up um, hotwire.com and find a Hotel Six, you know, in Jersey? Would they do that? They wouldn't. Because they have seemingly unlimited wealth, <laughs> you know, the pinstripe has a lot of money. Um, they would put if if they're recruiting me, uh, they they would lavish me with their resources. They would put me up in the top places, and um, I, it would be in accordance with their wealth. And what Paul is drawing attention here is he's not just flippantly praying that that you would have an inner strength to do these things. You know, Paul is not, is not praying a flippant prayer here of, um, you know, help them to, 
to pull them, themselves up by their own bootstraps and get the, the inner self-will to accomplish life. He is, he is kind of flatly renouncing that and saying, according to his great riches, because he is God the Father, may, may that strengthen you to do these things. It is drawing attention to the reliance of, on the gospel, that, that we don't have it within ourselves to do these things that he's outlining here. To be strengthened according to his riches through his spirit in your inner being. Verse 17, the first thing that he is praying to be strengthened for, verse 17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now this is not speaking of simply the point of conversion faith. There's a man named Harold Honer who is uh, dead now, died five, six years ago, but he was a professor of New Testament theology at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he did an outline of, uh, um, wrote some books on Ephesians. And he said that this, this, this verse is speaking of uh, Christ being the dominating factor in the attitude and conduct of the believer. All right, so when this says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, it is saying that may Christ uh, abide, may Christ take up residence in your being and be the dominating factor of your thoughts and your actions and your attitudes and your life. May Christ be the dominating factor when it says may, so that, so that Christ may dwell in your heart, that, that, that Christ is the factor that you consider as you do your job with excellence, as you seek to live your life above reproach and with integrity, as you seek to let Christ lead your relationships with your family. Maybe there are bad relationships in your dating relationships, in your relationship with your roommates or your friends. Um, that, that, that Christ is the dominating factor in the way that you handle your money. That Christ is the dominating factor in the way that you handle your sin. That Christ is the dominating factor. All right? So he is saying, according to his riches of his glory, may he grant you strength with power through his spirit so that Christ can be your all in all. So that he can be your rising up in the morning and your going down at night. So that he can be the king of your good days and the king of your bad days that he can be the king of your confusion, that he may dwell richly in your heart through faith. And this is not something you can do by yourself. I really think that one of the things that the Western church, we in America, um, struggle with in a heretical way is that because we have resources, because we live a life of relative comfort, that the gospel, um, I don't think we would, we would verbalize this, but I think we think it because of our sinful fallen nature, that, that the gospel is something that we really work hard to try to accomplish in the day-to-day. You know, ah, oh, I sinned again, or I struggled with that thing in my life that I always struggle with. I got I to gotta do better, you know? Uh, maybe pray my prayer of confession, and then, you know what, I'm going to really try hard. You know, to not do that. And, and what Paul is saying here is you need the strength of the Holy Spirit in your inner being to do these things because you can't. And it's only by faith in Christ, as it says, so that, that Christ may dwell, may take up residence, may live, may abide in your soul through faith because you can't do this without faith. 
When I reach, when I when I face plant in confusion, or when I face plant in sin, or when I face plant into a relationship that has gone sour and I don't know why, it takes faith to walk through that in a godly way. If it's not faith, then it's you trying your best. You know? I mean, what else is there if it's not faith? Um, and what the gospel does is the gospel shows us that there is a way to do this that, that is not from within yourself that, that w will bring you more joy than if you could do it on your own. It's a great promise there. The second half of verse 17 goes into the second thing that Paul is, is praying uh, for strength for, for the believer. It says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength okay, to comprehend with all the saints. All right, This is drawing in the community element. It went from personal, from your inner being, to community. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints, meaning all, all the believers. What is the breadth and length <laughs> breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I love, I love the phrasing here because it's, it's Paul is praying for strength for you to know the unknowable. <laughs> to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know the width and the depth and the height got that out of order. You got it. <laughs> it's a cube with, with, no, with no walls. You know? It is unknowable. But it says that you, first being rooted and grounded in love, may then know love. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Many people have said, and I believe, that uh, pride is, is the root sin. Have you heard that before? That, that it seems that all other sins uh, begin with, with pride. I mean, that's what lust is, you know? I want, you know? That's what uh, discontentment is. That's what covetousness is. That's what stealing is. That's what lying is to protect yourself. That's what... I mean, on and on and on, you know. Um, it was pride that got uh, Lucifer kicked out of heaven. It was pride that caused Adam and Eve to sin. Um, if, if, in your pursuit of Christ and living in a godly way, um, you were able to turn off pride... All right, if you were able to completely turn your eyes off of yourself to the point where you said, I no longer matter. My life is not my own. And your eyes were only focused outward to your neighbors, coworkers, families, family and friends. I think if you were to sum up what, in one word what that would look like, I think it would be love. If you were to turn your eyes completely off of yourself 
and, and, and you were to say that it doesn't matter what you do or how you treat me, that it completely, my reaction to you is not contingent on any of that. Going back to the first thing that Paul prays for, that Christ may dwell in your heart, that all that's left is, is love. I've also heard it said that one of the, I mean, there are many qualities of, of a Christ follower, character traits of a Christ follower. And I've heard it said that as, as pride is the root of sin, that, that, that humility is, is potentially the, the greatest attribute of, of the believer in, in the sense of, of this, that, that Christ humbled himself as God to become a man to pave the way for the gospel of salvation. It, it, it says in Philippians 4, all right? James 4 said it, it says if you, if you humble yourself before the Lord, that if you do that, then he will then lift you up. But you must humble yourself first. That the gospel in your life is contingent on your humility in that you must recognize that you're broken. You, you must see your sin. And you must fall on your face with open hands and say, I have nothing left that I can do. And so therefore, I need Jesus. That's humility, you know? And so throughout the gospel and throughout the Bible, you see uh, love your neighbor as yourself, you know? Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Consider your life not your own. Give of your poverty to the poor. You see this, this, this deep uh, flowing humility, which is the direct opposite of pride. And so when it says that you, being rooted and, and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend the depth and the width and the, and the length and the height and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge um, is to fall deeper and deeper into an, a, a deeper understanding of the gospel itself. That for us to, to grow in our understanding of, of love, we must grow in the understanding of the gospel. That as Christ dwells within us in faith, we begin to see a greater and greater picture of the love of God which gives us greater and greater ability to live a life that it seeks to uh, suppress pride and to lift up humility so that we can show the gospel as a light in a dark world. Because it doesn't make sense, that kind of love. It doesn't make sense. It is illogical. A couple weeks ago when we did a, a, the short series on 1 Corinthians, we talked about how the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. I mean, utter foolishness. And we saw the example in the families of those that were killed at Emmanuel. It, it doesn't make sense why you would forgive, what was it a day later, two days later, three days later? You know, the murderer of your family. And it also doesn't make sense. It doesn't even seem plausible how somebody could then love that person. Because I believe it is not possible 
outside the gospel. I have a hard time loving people that love me. <laughs> you know? Um, much less loving people who are indifferent towards me. And then to love... But that is the gospel. 1 John 4 um, says, We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, for God is love. And whoever abides in love, all right, abide. It's the same terminology as may Christ dwell in you. Whoever abides in God and God abides in him. By this love, by this is love perfected with us. Verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I mean, what if we, if we were to eradicate pride, we're speaking hypothetically here, and turning your eyes completely off of yourself, what would there be? What, what could you be afraid of in the gospel? Even Paul himself said to his oppressors, hey, come what may, <laughs> because your persecution of me and my suffering is to my eternal glory. It's worth it. So in essence, he said, bring it on. And he said, if you kill me, even better. <laughs> what, what better joy is there for me to die for this great cause. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love, but we love because he first loved us. I love that verse. Um, I feel like it has really, I've always known that verse. And maybe there are some texts in the Bible that just come at you more than ever before. But we love, not because, again, it's something within us, not something that we generate, not something that we read all these Bible verses and say, yeah, that makes sense, and that's logical, and I think I can buy into that. But because there is something that has happened to us as a result of the gospel that enables us to love like we couldn't on our own. So to love. It's the second thing Paul asks strength for. The third thing, verse 19, um, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. This goes without saying. I think we see where this is going. Um, As a, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in you as a guarantee. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're filled with God. And understand what I'm saying there. We all have times in our lives. Life is a, is a, has its ups and downs. Times of struggle, times of success, times of um, sin that we struggle with more than other times, times of um, discouragement, times of confusion. Um, 
But as we seek to live our lives with Christ dwelling in us, by the power of the gospel, as we seek to live a life with a greater and greater understanding of the love of Christ so that we can then turn and love others, that is the process that God uses to fill us. And the more full we are spiritually, the more joy is given. The more satisfaction is found. The more peace and the more rest is there. Can be found the, the more full we are. Um, if, if you combine the dwelling of Christ through faith with a greater and greater comprehension of the love of God, what you get is a life that is God-based, not me-based. What you get is a life that is saying, I can't do this, I never could, but I can because God is who he said he is. And there are eternal riches that he has made available to me to empower this. That this isn't self-generated. Paul continues wrapping up this first section of the, of the letter in verse 20 with this benediction. Um, a benediction, we see many benedictions throughout the scripture. And a benediction is a call to believers to, to go forth empowered by the gospel to do the things that we've just been talking about. Uh, so a benediction is, is not a, you heard it, now go do it. <laughs> okay? A benediction is, all right, now we've said what we needed to say. Now let's focus on the fact that God is the one who's doing the work, and we need to rely completely on him for it, that this is not of ourselves. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Once again, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or even think. And that's where I begin thinking about this check trip. That he is far more able to do more than we ask or more than we think. There was a mentor of mine who, a um, longtime member at East Cooper, he really reached out to me when I was 23 and first came to this church. And um, we started meeting for coffee and share all my life problems with them from there on out and still do sometimes. <laughs> um, and uh, But he shared with me once that that there are times when he feels like he's praying and asking the Lord for um, spoonfuls of, uh, of blessing. Not like material blessing, but that the Lord would work. And he said that, that, he said that there are times when he sees the Lord work and do so many great, truly great things 
but it feels like we're asking, holding out a spoon, and, and God has a shovel, you know? Um, the connection that I want to make is how am I, am I expecting the Lord to do great things in my life? Because I feel like as a, a realist and as somebody who believes that the Holy Spirit is at work in a much bigger way than, than I could ever fully understand, it makes it easy for me to kind of slide back into, I'm just going to try to be faithful and let the Lord do his thing. Instead of being faithful and expectantly praying and longing for God to do great things because he has done great things for me and has empowered us by his great riches and glory to do great things in the name of the gospel. And so as you look into the next year of your life, are you expecting God to do great things? Because if I'm honest, I haven't been. I, I, I believe in his sovereignty, and he is trustworthy, but, but what am I hoping for? What am I longing for? You know, people say things and, and pray prayers of um, revival. God, bring revival to our land, you know? Repeal Roe v. Wade. Uh, turn back... Our, 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 our moral decline. And there are times I have to confess that I find myself having a really hard time praying for revival because in my sin, I don't see it. You know what I mean? I see our trajectory. I believe God is faithful. I believe that God is sovereign. Do I see revival coming? No. <laughs> But that's the point, is that God does great things. I did not see those five kids come to Christ. But it wasn't me who did it. It was the Holy Spirit that did it. And the Holy Spirit was at work way before I, we even thought about the Czech Republic. You know? And so living a life in faith with Christ dwelling in you means that you are, 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 are longing for the unexpected, you know? For God, to, because we have a great God who does great things and has done a great thing in your life, according to the gospel, and that we've been per given permission to pray for it and to long for it in a content way, you know? In a, God, I long for these things, but thy will be done. I long to see this group grow in the gospel and impact our community in ways that I can't even imagine us impacting our community. What does that look like? I don't know. But I ought to be praying for that. You know? I ought to be praying for our church in that way. I ought to be praying for our community group in that way. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. We've heard these verses so many times. Not to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us corporately. Verse 21. To him, meaning God the Father, 
To him be glory in two things, according to the text. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. There's a personal element here and there's a corporate element here. The body of Christ, the church, and in our setting, it's East Cooper Baptist Church, the local body of Christ. It says earlier in Ephesians chapter 3 that the manifold wisdom of God is made known in the heavenly realms through the church, not through individuals pursuing Jesus Christ, though you ought to be doing that, and that's part of this, but that the church corporately comes together to accomplish God's purposes, that the church is the place that God has said, I will change culture through the church. One of my heroes at the moment is Russell Moore, and he says the way that, that, that a culture is changed is through a church that is looking outward, because the church is the place that God has established for believers to come together weekly to be nourished in the gospel. That there is strength, that there is fervency, that there is, there is a freshness that comes when the body gathers. That you can't find by yourself. And there's a sweetness in that. I'm not sure why I'm tearing up. <laughs> because we weren't meant to do this alone. You know? We weren't meant to, and it's not healthy. You know? Um, if it's not healthy, then it's unhealthy. Unhealthy is a downward trajectory. And so we talk about, I put all these things up here because I wanted to show, like, there's stuff going on in the body of Christ here. And you need to be involved. And I'm not saying that as a, hey, you should be more active in our club. I'm saying that that the body of Christ is where you grow. The body of Christ is where you impact your culture and your community. And the body of Christ is where you go to do those things to other people. The body needs you, and you need the body. Verse 21 says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations. When you are plugged into the body, you are making an eternal impact that God uses supernaturally to impact people that you will never meet. Um, Craig Harris shared a story this morning about how he spoke with a missionary who recently was uh, encouraged to stay on the field in India because he was discouraged. Um, and that there, are, that there are believers from our church that were part of that encouragement to, to keep that guy on the field to impact lives for Christ that you'll never meet. So your involvement in the body in praying, supporting, giving, sending, going, and encouraging has this supernatural, beautiful ripple effect that reaches 
slums and huts and corridors and communist former communist blocks and inner city college students because you're a part of this. And spiritually, it's credited to your account. You know what I mean there. And, you know, I, I forget who I read this week. Um, it might have been Russell Moore, just because I like him so much. Um, he talked about how Augustine of Hippo, you know, uh, Buster quotes him all the time, philosopher, church founder from the 400s, um, was this pretty wretched, immoral hedonist uh, that kind of did whatever he wanted to do um, and came to know Christ and really shaped his culture. Um, and that um, the gospel, you know, is not just, you know, for the clean people, <laughs> you know, and, and there might be some guy out there who is a hedonist and sleeping around and living life for himself that the gospel gets a grip of and God uses him in great ways to turn this country around and and if you had a hand in that even if not personally you supported somebody you went on one of these missions trips that you gave to the budget that you uh, part of a community group that lifted these people up in prayer that protected them uh, to keep them health and safety and pray that God would use his Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of people he uses those things. Those are not just unused uh, chaff. <laughs> they are things of eternal consequence. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So I, I think that I need to be praying expectantly. that we need to dive in to the life of the body here at East Cooper. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but I'm a believer in the body of Christ. And East Cooper isn't the only body in, in the Charleston area. So we're not exclusive. There are other bodies here that you can go and thrive, you know? But if you're here... You need to jump in. Um, so here's an outline of what's going on. Sunday, this is two Sundays from now, is Gateway Sunday. And it's a big gathering in the gym after both services. And this is where they highlight all the different ways that you can serve. So if you want to get involved, you want to plug in, you want to serve uh, student ministry, music ministry, homeless ministry, veterans ministry, um, uh, single mom ministry, any, this is where you can check it out. I mean, it's all on the website, but it's pretty fun. We're going to have a young adult uh, table there for people who want to find out more info for that. Um, I've been at East Cooper for 14 years, and one of the, my greatest joys is the fact that I know men that I look up to and admire, like Jeff, this guy that was a mentor of mine. Um, Guys, man-to-man is a breakfast that meets. And I'm going to leave the table. If you want to sit at my table, great. If you want to sit at a table with a bunch of guys that are older than you and smarter than me, you can go sit at their table. Learn about life, family, career, 
from other men at the church. And the Women at the Well is an event that's happening, the same opportunity there for women. Um, if you're going to plug in here, you need to join. We see, we see it in Scripture. If we want to talk more about that, I could, I could, share, I could share how we see that with you. Um, but you need to jump in. You need to be accountable. And we need, and we need, to, we need to know who we're accountable to as your leadership. We see that through the scriptures. Uh, we're going to begin again meeting every week on Thursday nights. Um, community groups are going to begin early September. Um, the next event that we have, uh, we're going to do a walking progressive dinner downtown. Let's put that on your calendar uh, on the 19th of September. Um, Lauren and I are going to begin hosting dinner for six again at our house. So any of you that want to be a part of that, we'll start opening up um, places for you to check in to that. We're doing a fall retreat. We're going up to the actual area again. Um, that's kind of scratching the surface of what's going on. Your involvement in the body of Christ uh, needs to be more than uh, just worship. It needs to be worship, but involved at a deeper level. And, and I want to be a resource. I'm available. Um, Lauren has said the same thing. I'm not speaking for her. We love y'all. Um, be encouraged by Paul's prayer in the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that, Father, this none of this is meant for us to do on our own. Father, I thank you that we have hope and strength that is found in the gospel that can enable us to live a life that makes no sense to the world and Father opens us up, up to a joy that is given by you as God the Father through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross and hand delivered by the Holy Spirit um, that gives us joy unspeakable and peace that passes all understanding Father please help us to live in a, a longingly content way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Hey, you're on time. <laughs> Have a great morning.